it going, everybody? We are back. Another edition of College Football Gridiron on this Wednesday, December 23rd. Christmas is right around the corner, and there's a lot to unwrap in college football. The final four are in. Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Notre Dame punch their tickets to the college football playoff, and we react to some of last week's conference championship games that helped decide it all Ryan Gregware, Jimmy Sullivan, Nick DeLuca here to break it all down. Guys, I know you were tuned in to ESPN on Sunday afternoon. Your initial reactions when you see the final four graphic. Yeah, um, you know, I don't think it was that much of a surprise. Going into, the, going into Saturday, the question was like, you know, if Notre Dame gets blown out, will they stay in? How good does Ohio State need to look to get in? And pretty much they both did everything they could to not make it. But, you know, they still get in. Uh, Bama won Clemson, too. I don't think you can dispute that one bit, especially after what we just saw Clemson do to Notre Dame, which we'll get into in a second. But Ohio State 3, jumping from number 4 to 3, was interesting to me. A&M being at 5, you know, I'm, we'll talk about this now. I don't have an issue with that missing just because I was not, you know, a 28-point loss to Alabama didn't do it for me as a resume booster. So I was fine with them getting left out at five. Great season for them, though. But the top four, I think they got the order right as well with Notre Dame at four, Ohio State at three, and then the top two, you couldn't dispute one bit. So I'm content with these rankings overall. You know, we could talk about if we'd like it to be at eight or whatever, but with what we have at four, I'm fine with these top four. It's funny you put it that way, Ryan, because I I was thinking about this during the show on Sunday and, you know, took like three hours to get to you know the top four or whatever it was but at least it felt that way but yeah I'm sitting here and I had sent out a very bad tweet on Saturday saying that Cincinnati <laughs> should be in that was before they almost lost to Tulsa and then I was thinking about it I looked at ND I looked at AM. I said you know what I would take Notre Dame I had this weird theory I thought for some reason the committee was going to take A&M uh, just based on recency bias. And then it, it kind of just dawned on me when I saw the Alabama-Notre Dame matchup. I said, does it really matter who it is? Like, as crazy as that sounds, no matter who we're talking about here, Notre Dame, A&M, Cincinnati, throw Oklahoma into that if you want, no matter who it is, we, I mean, we think Alabama's going to win that game and probably by a lot. So at the end of the day, I'm I'm just sitting there. I'm like, okay, Notre Dame, fine, yeah, good for them. Brian Kelly, I think, is doing a really good job and has gotten a lot of unnecessary flack. But yeah, I look at the playoff. I'm like, all right, there's a huge gap between two and three because Clemson beat the brakes off Notre Dame on Saturday afternoon, and I think the lack of quality in that game is a big reason why Ohio State jumped them. Because I don't know about you guys, I really don't want to see that again. Um, so, hey, we're going with the devil we don't know, I guess. Um, Clemson plays Ohio State. That's the third time in the playoff era that's going to happen. Uh, Clemson won the first two. Last year's game between the two teams was really good. Um, will it be really good this year? I don't know because we don't know what Ohio State's going to look like entering that game. But, you know, I looked at number four and I said, to be honest, it's you're picking the best bad option especially in a matchup against Alabama because 
I, I, I wouldn't have felt great about any of those teams. And I guess that's kind of fitting given the really weird year we're having in 2020 and the college football season we've looked at with every team being on a different footing. Jimmy mentioned the top four, Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Notre Dame. Texas A&M is the first one out at five. Oklahoma goes up four spots after a win in the Big 12 championship game, up to six. Florida at seven after a loss in the SEC championship game. Cincinnati at eight in the top eight. We were talking potentially about some playoff expansion. Those would be your, your top eight if that mattered. Certainly doesn't here in this season, 2020. I, I was surprised with which the ease for Ohio State in getting into the playoff and even moving up a spot. Because I'm watching them play in the Big Ten championship game against Northwestern, and they were not impressive at all. And, and that was the thing for me where I'm sitting there, and, and if this really is about finding the best teams, and, and maybe Ohio State is, and, and I think they are. They're a top-four team in the country. But if this is about really your resume, right, if this is not about the money grab of Ohio State needing to be in the playoff, I'm kind of wondering about is it possible with the six games, and I know that it's not their fault that they're playing six games, but it seems to me that they are playing the teams that are good on their schedule and in a small sample size very closely they're not winning convincingly against Indiana when they get the opportunity, against Northwestern when they get the opportunity. And I thought, is it possible that they look as, as bad as they did and, and they were able to sort of right the ship in the second half, but Northwestern led for most of that game. So you're, you're sitting there and, and saying, does, does Ohio State really deserve to even be in the playoff, let alone jump up to three? And it was – an easier decision made for the committee because Notre Dame looked so terribly in the ACC championship game. And that sort of rounds out the top four. It felt like barring a catastrophe, which it was pretty close for Notre Dame against Clemson, but there was, there was no way that they weren't getting in with the win and the resume that they had built up a and M better luck next year in a case for expanding the playoff. And maybe that's where I'll go next before we, hop into getting into and breaking down some of the conference championship games and looking ahead to the college football playoff. Is there a case here? This seems to be a popular topic of conversation as many people have gone through and broken things down. Is this, is this the time we, we touched on it a little bit last week, but in seeing how this last week played out, do we need to expand this playoff? I think we do. And what's the right number? Is it six? Is it eight? Is it 16? What do you guys think? It's a really difficult thing to tackle because I think everyone can admit that this needs to be fixed in some way. The system is not perfect. And this year for three and four, I mean, obviously it was kind of like, you know, no one had the great case. Ohio state didn't absolutely prove they needed to be there versus Northwestern. That was, as you mentioned earlier, one of the worst 12-point wins I've seen in my life watching college football. Really unimpressed with them. And then Notre Dame got their – they got uh, blown out by Clemson. So you, I think you have to expand it just because you have a team like Cincinnati who goes 9-1, and one, you know, they were dealt a tough hand, and they won out. They won every game on their schedule, and they are not rewarded with the playoff berth. You have a team like Oklahoma who really made some noise 
late. You know, they've won seven in a row, including a really nice win over Iowa State. Would I rather see them, honestly, versus Bama than Notre Dame? You know, maybe, but you couldn't put them in the playoff based on Notre Dame's resume versus theirs. And A&M, as you mentioned, you know, you said better luck next year. Hope you get – hope um, hope it gets expanded. That's a pretty unfair thing to tell a team who won 11-1. and won. You know, better luck next year. You didn't do enough with your only loss to the number one team in the country. So I think there's definitely a flaw here. And, you know, six or eight or 16, I don't think 16 is the answer. Um, you know, I know the TV networks too. They'd love to expand these playoffs, get more games, get their ratings in there. And if we saw, you know, the top four you talked about with Ohio State being a money grab getting in there, I think if we only have four teams, it's more inexcusable to put an Ohio State in there for a money grab because this is really the dream matchup for the committee. You have four, you know, you have Bama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State. It doesn't get bigger than that um, from a TV and from a TV network perspective. But I think if you were able to expand it to eight, you could justify that a little more, putting them in at three. And you also, just to go back on one more point, about Notre Dame and Ohio State flip-flopping a little bit. I think that was just to do with the fatigue. Um, I know I don't want to see Clemson beat Notre Dame again. Uh, I'd rather see the, you know, the different matchups. But going back to the playoff thing, um, I'd like to see eight personally. I think you just have to figure out a way to get these teams like Cincinnati or like the non-Power Five, you know, the best team in the non-Power Five in there. And an A&M team, I think, could have deserved a shot in there as well. Yeah, I think we've talked about this in the past, and in past years I've been against it, but when you think about the history of the CFP in the six, seven years we've been doing it, if you look at all the semifinal games, there are a lot more blowouts than good ones. And when you look at that, you have to sit there and say, all right, something's got to be different here. I'm in favor of eight as well. I think the way to do it is make the criteria a lot clearer. I think that's part of the problem too, because like we, we don't exactly know what the criteria is. It feels like they moved the goalposts, particularly in Cincinnati's case, it felt like they were just kind of suppressing them for the sake of it after a certain point. So you say, all right, you're a conference champion, you're in, um, in the power five, you know, the best group of five team gets in and then you have two at largest. I think that's probably the way to go. And, you know, the, the biggest problem, I think, with the, the playoff era is that it doesn't feel like there's a clear criteria. It's just at times like darts on a dartboard. I'm not saying there's no criteria. I'm just saying it's not clear. Um, you could have said whatever you wanted about the BCS, but it was always based on something. And I think that this is a very simple way to sit there and say, okay, there's eight bids, six of them are automatic and we're going to pick two and you'll have controversy. Yes, but not, not at the level that which we've seen the last few years. And I also think having quarterfinal games is going to lead to better semifinals because I think you can maybe weed out some of these, I, I hate to use this phrase, false flag teams that might be at three or four, like Oklahoma last year, for example, or what Notre Dame might be this year. You know, if they have to play Texas A&M, there's no fighting. Oh, who's four, who's five? It's no, okay, go out, play. Somebody wins, and then you, you go play the winner of one versus eight. I think this is a much 
easier way to do it. I think they can do it logistically. I, th- I think a lot of that stuff's overwrought because, I mean, if you look at the FCS championship, I mean, everybody plays in that. So I think you can figure it out at the FBS level as well. But after this year and, and all the stuff that we've seen happen, I am now in favor of eight just because of my general distrust of the playoff committee and how they have handled their business this year. I think it's a tough balance to strike. And what I have advocated for at times is the eight, but also with the understanding that there is something that needs to be done in maintaining the integrity of the regular season and that importance. So what I have sort of proposed or said at times is that, if you are a power five conference champion, that should be an automatic bid to the playoff. So then any team is still playing and fighting for an opportunity, no matter what sort of your record is. If you win your conference championship, you can take an automatic bid. And then I don't know that I'm in favor of say the best group of five team is the sixth seed only because I I suppose it is possible that Yes, if, if that team is undefeated, if we get a Cincinnati, that's great. We definitely want them in. And I think that that should be something that, however the selection is done, you should be in, in favor or, or it should be kind to getting that next best group of five team in. But at the same time, if the best group of five team is nine and three, I don't want to see them in the playoff. You know what I mean? So that would be the, the balance I think you strike. And then it's, it's two wild card teams. I think that the, the biggest thing is finding a way to create matchups where it isn't going to be these blowouts. And I know that it's something that we've become accustomed to because Alabama and Clemson for the last few years have been just so far and away better than everybody else in the rest of the country. Ohio State has been there at times. Georgia a few years ago was also in that realm. But for the most part, you look up and down college football and it's, it's nothing new, but there are four or five teams that are really in the thick of things. And this has only been exacerbated by the number of recruits that are wanting to go to teams that have an opportunity to play and win in the playoff. That has been something that has been proven to lead to NFL opportunities and NFL success, which is what a lot of the recruits are looking for in choosing a college out of high school. If you look at the 2021 recruiting rankings, right? Alabama at one, Ohio State is at two, Georgia at three, LSU at four, Clemson five, Oregon at six. What do the top six have in common? They have all won college football playoff games. We'll go down. Seven at Texas A&M, they have not. Jimbo Fisher has a great resume. Notre Dame at eight, they've been to the playoff. Oklahoma at nine, A&M was on the doorstep this year. So the recruits want to go. This is nothing new, but recruits want to go where there is an opportunity to have success and play at the play, in the playoff. And, and it's sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy, a, a wheel that continues to spin because of the monopoly that some of these great programs have on the players and in the entrenched sort of established football programs that are really good. But I think that's the biggest thing. It's about finding a way to diversify some of the talent and, and incentivize some of these top recruits to go other places, right? You've got 30% of five-star recruits this year are going to Clemson or Alabama. How, How can you fix some of that? And 
I think part of it would be image and likeness, right? You can incentivize it in that sense where it's more important to be a big fish in a small pond as a five-star recruit as opposed to being the ninth or 10th five-star recruit that is signing on to Alabama. But I think that's the biggest thing to look at. And if it's eight, if the right number is 16, where it's okay, well, you know, it's probably not right. No one's advocating or saying that right now, say, Iowa or Northwestern or BYU in that range deserve a shot at the college football national championship. But at the same time, if it's going to allow Northwestern and Iowa and BYU to start competing for, say, four- and five-star recruits to level the playing field in college football, then maybe they will deserve it or, or it will make more sense. So I think that's one of the other things that we certainly need to, to take into account, take into consideration, and be on the lookout for when we have these discussions. Because it's, it's not necessarily just simply about, hey, can a team as presently constructed like Notre Dame or Texas A&M take down an Alabama? Or do we want to see Cincinnati play Alabama right now? What would Cincinnati look like if they were able to recruit on a more even playing field to the Alabamas and the Clemsons and the Ohio States of the world. So we'll see what sort of situation or, or what can be done about that. But there's, it's no secret. The, the playoff is going to be expanded, and I'm sure it's coming sooner rather than later. Probably will happen next year with the reaction that we have gotten from a, a bunch of people, from a lot of outlets, and also the money. That's something that you cannot deny or, or ignore because you got a lot of teams and programs and schools that are hurting for cash right now. And this is an easy way to recruit some of that revenue. And that's by expanding. We'll see, because very often it's hard to close Pandora's box once you expand. So you would think that eight is the natural progression, not to a full 16. Cause if you go to 16, you're not coming back, but at the same time, it could be an opportunity for a lot of revenue and maybe make some of those lesser bowl games. Also college football, playoff implication games as well. I want to transition to some of the things that we saw on the field this past weekend, and we'll start with a couple of the conference championship games in the Power Five. We'll, we'll go SEC championship game first. Alabama and Florida and what was really a pretty entertaining game. Florida hung in there for most of it. They couldn't get that one crucial stop that they needed to give themselves a chance to have the football with a chance to tie with any amount of time left. They did with, was it 20 seconds left with 90 yards to go, no timeouts. That wasn't happening. But Alabama played so well offensively, and Mac Jones is making his continued case for potentially working into being a first-round draft pick. 33 of 43, 418, five touchdowns, and an interception. Alabama runs for just south of 200 yards as well. But Florida puts up a fight, Kyle Trask, 408, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Alabama able to do a good job containing Florida's rushing game, of course. They were also playing from behind for a majority of it, so that affected the game script. I'm not saying that Alabama looked vulnerable, because I I don't know that they did, and and I'm of the belief that they are the best team in the country. But when they play teams that can move the ball on offense and can move the ball through the air and quarterbacks like Kyle Trask and presumably 
they will get an opportunity to see Trevor Lawrence at some point, an issue that they had with Ole Miss. They have struggled a bit. So the offense is checking all the boxes and looks great. But the defense at times when they're playing this upper level of competition is certainly leaving the door open for the rest of the country in the playoff. Yeah, I don't think this Alabama team is like absolutely no holes at all. Because as you mentioned, we've seen them get exposed a little bit. Obviously, that game early versus Ole Miss, where it got a little scary for them. And they did kind of tone it down, you know, going into the stretch run. But then they played a Florida offense, which is the best they've faced all year. And obviously, they put up 46 points. So they were able to move the ball. It just came down to, as you said, they couldn't get one stop. And obviously, you have to credit Alabama's offense because they're able to get in any shootout and probably win any shootout they'll get into. But this is not a number one where I don't think – like, I think Clemson, if it gets to that point, will have a shot at them because obviously they have a dynamic um, offense, Trevor Lawrence. He'll be able to keep pace with them. It'll probably – that'll probably be, you know, who can get the stops first. But going back to Florida, I was really impressed with their performance because I didn't think they'd be able to keep up all the way. I thought maybe they'd keep it close early and then kind of get blown out in the second half. But it was kind of the opposite in a weird way. Um, You know, you had Alabama scoring a touchdown on every drive in the first half. They had that interception, though, which they immediately recovered a fumble on the pick. So counting out, they scored on every drive in the first half. And it was was a blowout at halftime, you know, a 17-point game. And Florida kind of answered. They just kept scoring touchdowns in a way where I think we saw the vulnerability that is there for Bama. It's no knock on them overall, though. Like, I still, as you said, think they're the best team in the country. But this is a team that definitely can get exposed on defense. And I, you know, I really am interested to see what teams can do in the playoffs. Notre Dame obviously looked horrible. But, you know, this Alabama team certainly gives up points on defense. And that should continue. It's so interesting when I think about this game that if Florida did not surrender the interception immediately and if they did not engineer the sequence at the end of the first half where they gave Alabama the ball back with a minute and a half to go, I think we're probably talking about Florida in the playoff right now. And it's crazy to think, I mean, I'm a lot more bummed that Florida lost given the other results of Saturday because I think they would have been really, really interesting in the playoff. Now, they could not stop a nosebleed defensively, and Najee Harris went off, had maybe the best game of his career. But I was impressed with Florida. I thought Dan Mullen called a great game offensively. They did a lot of things right. And am I concerned about Alabama? Yes. But I also think that you have to also account that, you know, Florida has so much talent offensively, right? I mean, Kyle Trask is going to be an NFL quarterback. Kyle Pitts is probably the best tight end in the draft. Uh, Kadarius Toney had a huge night. Um, to be totally frank, like, does Notre Dame have that? Probably not. So I don't think it's as much of a concern for Alabama. Like, yes, their defense is – it has holes. But – is it going to be something where you sit there and say, wow, this is going to be a problem no matter who they play? No, I, th- I think it's a lot more matchup based, at least in this case. And I think Florida was just a tough matchup for them. And, you know, Nick, I give you a lot of credit because you said this game was going to be yep. close. You were right on that. And it, it was a couple of plays for Florida and they were right there. But yeah, Alabama's offense looks unbelievable. I mean, I, I think Devontae Smith's probably going to win the Heisman trophy. And, 
They've got – they're going to have – I mean, two Heisman finalists. They could easily have a third in Najee Harris. I, I, it's, it's a little bit – it's so crazy to say this with Alabama football, to think about their identity. It's a little bit like watching the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, you watch them offensively. How are you going to stop them? And I don't think you can. Like, that's just how good they are offensively. Yeah, I'm with you, Jimmy. And I had a feeling this game was going to be pretty close. It's just it's just the nature of the matchup, and that's the type of team, not to say that you're predicting Alabama to even lose at any point in, in this season. Two opportunities left to see if it'll happen, but that's the type of team. It's the Ole Miss, it's the Florida, it's the Clemson, the teams that can put up a bunch of points. It's the same conversation that we have when we talk about the NFL and Kansas City. We're not talking about the team that plays great defense and that's going to win a slugfest that can beat the Kansas City Chiefs by a score of 15 to 14. No, it's the team that can go and rip off a bunch of points and beat Kansas City 45-42. And that's the same sort of concept with Alabama here in my feeling. And And I echo what you said about them with Notre Dame. Like, I just think it's a terrible matchup for Notre Dame. They're just not explosive enough on offense at all. You don't have a ton of confidence in their passing game and Ian Book when they certainly went out and performed the way they did this past weekend against Clemson and a fully healthy Clemson defense. So that sort of gave you a more accurate understanding of really where they stand at this point of the season. So I'm with you. I echo what you guys said, and and it'll be tough because you say that, yes, there are holes on Alabama's defense, and you're trying to get through, okay, is there a cause for concern, or where does Alabama look vulnerable, and who could they be vulnerable against? To me, it's, it's really just Clemson because they're the only team that is explosive enough on offense to be a challenger to Alabama, but that offense, is, as you mentioned, Jimmy, it's as good as it gets, and, and Jones and Harris – and Devontae Smith, it's – I don't know how you stop it. Credit to Florida for, for hanging in there and, and exposing what is to be exposed on Alabama's defense. But that offense, there's not much there that you can do to stop it. So I'm interested to see what really it seems to be inevitable and Clemson's go at it and see if Trevor Lawrence can, uh, can make a run there. I would certainly pick Clemson to take down Ohio State in the semifinal. I know we're going to get to that next week we're not even talking about that but I'm just I'm thinking ahead I'm thinking fourth dimensionally as uh, back to the future used to say let's move on to, to Clemson as we go back to the past here Clemson and Notre Dame the ACC championship game the presumptive number one overall pick in Jacksonville Jaguar Trevor Lawrence is back out onto the field I know I had to just I knew that, that was there. coming and and he he looked uh, pretty solid not not his best performance but certainly not his worst by any stretch, 25 at 36, 322, two touchdowns and an interception. Clemson got things going on the ground as well in a way that they had not in the first meeting between these two teams. 219 from Travis Etienne, Trevor Lawrence runs for 90 yards and they get some contributions elsewhere. But to me, the biggest story of this game was Clemson's defense as we go into sort of how they looked and, and how things were different this time around. James Skalski was back as their middle linebacker. I had said that I thought that was going to make a huge difference. That and health in other places as well was the big change. Clemson totally shut down Notre Dame's rushing attack, something that they had not done at all in the first meeting between these two teams. Notre Dame is held to 30 carries for 44 yards. 
I mean, what do you, what do you do? That's as good as it gets for Clemson on defense. And Notre Dame's still in the playoff, but they're limping in because Clemson did whatever they wanted to this past Saturday. I think limping in is doesn't even begin to describe how they're coming to the playoff. Um, you know, you see the final score, thirty-four to ten. I would argue that that is not indicative of how much of a blowout and a mismatch this was. You know, early on you had Clemson go up three nothing and a chance to go up 10 nothing with the Trevor Lawrence pick right out the gate. They miss a 24-yard field goal or something like that. And then from then on out, Clemson just absolutely cruised. Their offense was seamless. I know the final numbers weren't necessarily there. You know, it's crazy to say 330 yards isn't really anything crazy for Trevor Lawrence. But they were in just complete control in this game from the start um, after that quick little 3 nothing deficit. You know, they held Ian Book in check. He had 219 yards. He didn't throw a touchdown. So when you're able to do that and stop the running game like they were, you're going to just – you're going to steamroll everyone in your path. And, you know, coming into this game, we all thought that Clemson was going to win this. And I was just shocked at how easy it was for them. It seemed like there was never a point where Notre Dame looked like they were threatening them at all. And, you know, obviously Notre Dame won the first matchup between them without Trevor Lawrence and without some other pieces – but it's just really impressive to see how Clemson's coming into the playoff. You know, they're red hot. They have, their, they have everyone back. And Notre Dame is just, I would, as I said earlier, limping doesn't even get to describe how awful they look going into this game against Bama. Yeah, it's, it's bad when you're going into the second half watching this game and you're sitting there thinking, how bad does this have to get? for the CFP to pull the plug on Notre Dame because that was the, the outcome was decided very early on in this game because Clemson was just killing Notre Dame in the trenches. Like it was really bad. And you're sitting there saying, you know, is 45, 10 worse than 34, 10. I don't know that it is because everybody who watched that game knew it was a blowout. I mean, if we were going back to BCS days, you know, a garbage time touchdowns maybe actually did mean something. But in this case, I mean, it was just – it was so funny because you, you go back to the first meeting and you brought it all up, Nick, really well. Notre Dame ran all over Clemson. Uh, Travis Etienne did not get going in that game. And you talked about you know, Trevor Lawrence and Skulski being back, and that was really it because offensively – Clemson played well in the first meeting against Notre Dame, don't get me wrong, but when you have Trevor Lawrence out there, there's, there's just a, this extra dimension of accuracy. Um, you know, Uyunglele, I thought, played really well, but there were a couple plays that he missed in that game, which is probably to be expected from from backup quarterback, as, as good as he's going to be for Clemson next year. But once you bring those two back into the equation and you look at these two teams at full strength, it, it's not close. And Notre Dame had a lot of things go right in that first game. And part of that also being that the game was in South Bend. But it just you, – you think about these two teams and credit to Notre Dame for, for beating them the first time. It's not a fair fight. I'm sorry. Like, these two teams are not even close to comparable in terms of talent. And I think the game on Saturday – Bore that out very well. We, we saw just how much better Clemson is than Notre Dame. And these are two teams that are not separated by much in the rankings. 
We know how good Clemson is. I feel like especially with Trevor Lawrence and some of the health that they were able to get back on defense. And it's something that we've seen for a couple of years now. I was always confident in, in Clemson. And I want to take this maybe a little bit more from the Notre Dame angle because we, we know how good that Clemson is. I, I'm just curious, and, and it, was, it was interesting to me, Notre Dame, just as well as Ian Book has played at times, I just – he is he is so in in command of of that offense uninspiring when when they get behind there is just in in my opinion no confidence from my perspective that this is a team that when forced to throw when when they shut down your running game can can win in a way that a Clemson or Alabama can and that's not necessarily a knock cuz there are only a few teams that can do that in the country we felt like at times, Ohio State could do that too. And now what I've seen recently from them, you're kind of hesitant to put them in that category. But it, it's just like the running game wasn't there because Clemson made that a point of emphasis and, and you get some better personnel back so, so you can execute that game plan a little bit better. And they're daring Notre Dame to pass. They're saying, go ahead. We're, we're committing guys to the line of scrimmage. We're daring you to throw the football. And Notre Dame just can't do it. And, and that's, that's what's probably the most discouraging thing for me from a Notre Dame perspective, because there's nowhere to go from there. What, what do you think Alabama is going to do defensively? And how are you going to keep up with them as you eye up your, your semifinal matchup? There, there's just, there's really no hope. Like there's just, it's such a bad matchup for Notre Dame going forward and in the scope of, the evolution of college football and the teams that are the best, it's no secret. It's, it's kind of become closer to an NFL feel of it being an offense in a quarterback-driven sport, a quarterback-driven league. When you have those big-time quarterbacks that can put up those points and, and pass the football, that is so important to have. Alabama certainly has it. Clemson has it. And we feel like at times Ohio State has it. And, and it's not to necessarily be critical of Ian Book because he has come in and done what he has been asked to do and is not somebody who is this top-level recruit who has necessarily underperformed. In fact, he's overperformed in, in his career at Notre Dame. It's just like there, there's not that extra dimension. There's not that extra gear that we see from the teams that are real contenders. And, and that bleeds into sort of the one final thing I want to get into on Notre Dame when is this going to stop or is it going to stop? Like, are we ever going to be talking about Notre Dame as a legitimate title contender? Because it felt like this year more than any other, this, this was, it was possible that it, it was, they beat Clemson, they had the big win. And now we could, we could potentially begin to take them seriously. And it's, it's, I don't want to sound cliche because I know it's a different team and you want to be respectful, but Another year, another big game, and another opportunity for Notre Dame that goes by the wayside because they just are, are, quite frankly, a step below everybody else. Yeah, I think we can all like acknowledge that Brian Kelly's done a great job in the grand scheme of things uh, with Notre Dame. But as you said, every single year it's kind of the same story. You know, different teams, same story. You just can't win the big one. And this looked like it was the year, right? You know, they beat Clemson earlier in the year. Um, and going into this game, you know, it looked like this was Notre Dame's best. Brian Kelly has said this has been – he believes this is his best team he's had at Notre Dame. But if this is the best you're going to get, it's not, it's not good enough because 
it's going to be the same old story. You know, I don't want to look to the future here, but they are not going to beat Alabama. Frankly, they're probably going to get killed because it's going to be just, it's going to be an even worse matchup, I'd say, than it was against Clemson. And you just can't, like, to look this bad and to, you know, they deserve to be in the playoff, I think, based on what they've done earlier in the year. And Ian Book, you know, as you said, he's, he, while, like, you know, I personally haven't thought he's got the credit he deserves. I thought in the UNC game he was money. But when you take away the running game, he looks a lot different. So, and, you know, the way that the, the league, I should say, college football is trending is you need the dynamic quarterback, you need the dynamic offense. And they just do not have that right now. They've been kind of a defense-driven team this year, but that's not going to work when you face the Trevor Lawrences. That's not going to work when you face the Mac Joneses and that offense. So, you know, I don't want to just say if you're a Notre Dame fan, you're never going to get there. But I would be really discouraged in, you know, their outlook to ever get there with the way their team is currently constructed. Yeah, it's constructed that way this year, and it's also been constructed that way the entire time Brian Kelly's been there. Because you go back to 2012, and they played Alabama in the title game, and they were a defense-driven team, and they got down 14 nothing in that game, and you said, that might be it. And because they hadn't played from behind that year, they, they won a lot of, you know, 21, six and 14, three type games, like just not shootout type ordeals. And I, I do think Brian Kelly has done a really good job at Notre Dame, given the circumstances. I mean, let's, we do need to remember this program is two coaches removed from Tyrone Willingham. And that's, that was the team that was going three and nine and four and eight in some years. So Brian Kelly deserves credit for that. And I'm hesitant to criticize him because we all know how much better Alabama and Clemson are than the rest of the sport in the last five years. That's just the the storyline here. But at the same time, you can't deny that in certain, you know, big games, they've come up small. And it was the case in 2012 to get to the national title game. That game's over by half. In 2015, they go to Clemson, almost win that game in the monsoon, and then they run a QB sweep on a two-point conversion with Deshaun Kaiser and lose the game. 2017, they go down to Miami, who was undefeated at the time. We were trying to figure out how good they were. They got boat raced, and then Miami won, I think, one more game for the rest of the season. 2018, they play Clemson in the playoff. That game's over by half. It's at some point you have to sit there and say, okay, like it, it, you have to win a, a large scale game. And as much as I hate to do this, I think you have to take the Clemson win out of the ledger in that category, given what Clemson was dealing with at the time. I, I hate to say it, but everything was working in favor of Notre Dame for that game, and it still went to double OT. So. There's different guys that come in the building, you know, every four years with the turnover in college football. But eventually, I think you're right, Nick. You have to eventually get one of these. Maybe it's a semifinal. Maybe it's, you know, a big game in the regular season. And I also do want to congratulate Brian Kelly for getting to a conference title game before Jim Harbaugh. But at the same time, you have to sit there and say, like, when's it going to be? Because it hasn't been in – 10 years for Notre Dame. And, and again, they were in the doldrums. So I, I, I hesitate to be too hard on them for this, but 
yeah, like they, they have a bad rep in big games, and that's not going to change until they start winning some of them. Yeah, I think it comes down to sort of what you want your program to be and, and how it's defined, and, and the context matters. And I think that you pointing that out at the end there, Jimmy, was important because they were in a really difficult spot when Brian Kelly took over, and it took a while, but they have been consistently – sort of in that second to, to third tier, which is an impressive turnaround. But as I've said and, and have said many times, this this will not change. They, they will not elevate until they can find a way to win a game in the college football playoff. I think that going forward, potentially, it could have been a program changer if they were to beat Clemson a second time in the ACC championship game. They certainly won't get that opportunity going forward as not continuing to be a part of that conference. So, uh, it, that to me is where it starts. And, and until then, this, this thing is, is not, it's the same program and it, it, it's the same sort of lens with which we need to look at Notre Dame and, and say, yeah, we, we have to be skeptical. We have to continue to wonder whether or not they are able to win the big game because they have certainly not proven that and, and really haven't come close to proving it for a long time. So it, it's a difficult spot for them to be in and, and frustrating certainly for, for the many Notre Dame fans that exist across the country as as help, at least for them, even getting into the college football playoff. Let's get to the final Power Five Conference Championship game that we're going to break down. Ohio State defeats Northwestern 22-10 in Indianapolis, Lucas Oil Stadium. OSU did not look great for a majority of this game. It was Northwestern that came out and kind of packed a punch early. They were leading at halftime by a 10 to six margin. You could tell certainly the limitations that exist on Northwestern's offense, but a defense that was number one in the power five in scoring defense certainly gave Ohio State and Justin Fields problems. He was 12 of 27, 114, no touchdowns and two interceptions. Quarterback rating of 34.6, which has led to some discussion about whether he should even be the second quarterback off the board in the NFL draft where Ohio State wins the day, is in the trenches, and in the running game. They run for a yard shy, 399 yards, a yard shy of 400. Trey Sermon was outstanding. Justin Fields was able to get a lot done, but but it's Sermon who is the story of that game. But I guess bigger picture and more of a question here is – this was the best defense that Ohio State played, and it's not going to be the caliber that maybe they will see in Clemson because Northwestern is really good and they are well coached. But at the same time, the, the performance from Justin Fields in that offense is really concerning because you know that this is not a team this year as presently, as presently constructed that can rely on playing really great defense. So you don't feel good about them being able to run for 400 yards on Clemson and dominate the trenches the way they did in this conference championship game. So they're going to have to get things going in the passing game a little bit, and that was not there against Northwestern. Yeah, uh, this was extremely unimpressive from them. You know, it should be noted they had 22 players out, including Chris Olave, who was Justin Fields' number one receiver. But there's still, you know, you still have to throw for better than 44% of your – you can't complete 44% of your passes, not throw a touchdown and two picks against Clemson. You can't do it. If they play this poorly against Clemson, you know, I don't want to look ahead too much, but if they play even if this poorly, they'll lose by 35 plus because this is not the way to play Clemson. You know, Northwestern, obviously, as you said, they have limitations on offense and I know their defense is fantastic, 
but you have to be able to score more than six at half. You need a dynamic offense if you're going to have a shot at Clemson. And right now it does not look like they are that. Um, you know, they could not throw the ball for their lives. You know, the way that they ended up scoring late in the game was just running it every single play. And Northwestern could not stop it. Uh, Trey Sermon, as you said, we have to shout him out because he was the best player on the field. I don't think they win. They can't win that game without him. You know, 331, two touchdowns. He only had 344 yards going into the game. So it took a career game from a running back who's not, uh, not otherworldly to scrape by a Northwestern team who you were 20-point favorites against. Uh, that is really concerning to me with Ohio State. And, you know, they need to flip a switch or something because the way they're currently constructed, their defense isn't what it was last year, and the way their offense is playing, they are in for, for a not, pres- uh, not pretty sight against Clemson. So Clemson has opened as a six-and-a-half-point favorite against Ohio State. I don't really gamble, but that line makes me want to start. And I think – I will say that I think Ohio State's going to be in better shape against Clemson if they can get some of those guys back. And the Big Ten was talking about loosening some of the uh, quarantine rules for Ohio State uh, because apparently there were no more rules to loosen that applied to Ohio State. So they said, hey, here's one more. But in any event, uh, I'll be interested to see – how shorthanded Ohio State is against Clemson, because I think that informs a lot of this. I think if Ohio State's at full strength, they could actually give Clemson a pretty good game. Um, if they're not, then, then, then we're getting into dangerous territory here. But I think everyone went into this Ohio State-Northwestern game, and even when Northwestern was leading, I think everyone deep down knew Ohio State was going to win. It was just a question of how they were going to do it. And... Look, was it impressive? No. I mean, my Jets have the number two pick right now, and I can't lie to you, I kind of want them to take Panay Sewell because like, Justin Fields just was unimpressive in that game, uh, to say the least. And, and there's a lot of fundamental things that he struggles with that really concern me at the next level. But, you know, if he gets Olave back, if they get some of these other guys back, and you know, the special teams took a hit as well, I, I actually think they could give Clemson a better game than maybe some people are accounting for. Do I think they would, like, cover six and a half? No. But I, I, do, I, I don't want to write off Ohio State as, oh, they're going to get boat raced in the same way Notre Dame's probably going to get boat raced because I don't think that's going to happen. Also, one more point. Dabo Sweeney has given Ohio State a stupid amount of bulletin board material in the – 12 or 13 days, whatever it is, leading up to this semifinal. Now, at the end of the day, I don't think it's going to matter. But just remember all the stuff that's coming out of his mouth, you know, ranking Ohio State 11th, when they asked him about the film study, saying, well, it's six games. It's not going to be particularly difficult. Just keep that away in case this, you know, Ohio State comes out hot on New Year's Day because it's, it's not what I would be doing if I was a coach. But then again, I don't have two national championships, so who am I to say? That's right. Jimmy Sullivan does not have two national championships, though. I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I was kind of confused by it, too. It's like, what, what, what is to be gained by, by talking in that way? You're, you're, are you motivating your own team by saying that Ohio State doesn't deserve to be here? It's just also sort of a, a weird thing to latch on to that he has done 
with a number of programs throughout the country in assessing and giving his opinion about what the college football playoff rankings should look like. And it's like, look, this is, this is a hand that everyone has dealt with everything that we have to, to deal with. And at some point, like, you know, Ohio state would have played week one if they could have, but that was the big 10 decision, not an Ohio state decision. So it's, it's an odd way to attack them, but it is what it is. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with what you guys said and it'll be interesting to see if Ohio state with some of the weapons coming back, if they can turn around the passing game, because if not, they will not be able to have that same success against, uh, against Clemson in the trenches, the way they were against Northwestern. Certainly one of those concerning wins, it was, it was kind of like the concerning win for the jets over the Rams kind of, kind of just a win that, that, you know, ma- makes you concerned about the, the future of the program. And I'll just, I'll walk myself out on that one. That's it. And that'll do it for us for this week's episode of College Football Gridiron. You can catch us every week on WFUVsports.org, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcast. For Ryan Gregware, Jimmy Sullivan, I'm Nick DeLuca wishing you a very merry bowl season.